We're live. Okay. Go ahead, Neil. Introduce us. All right. Hello. Welcome, everybody. This is Neil with Portal to Ascension. Joined with some amazing souls today for um, one of quite a few events that are going to be happening throughout the day. Um, new Realities definitely has a lot of content on there. And uh, if you're tuning in on New Realities and you're new to this channel, please do subscribe. And then also we're on Portal to Ascension. And on Portal to Ascension, we have four different events going on today, including the Pagan Origins of Christmas that will be at 2.30 Pacific. But today's event and discussion is on the walk-in phenomena. And we've had multiple discussions on this. And we're really talking about what the walk-in phenomena is, interviewing a couple of individuals, and getting ready for the conference that is going to be taking place on January 8th and 9th. So I'm just going to hand it right over um, who wants to go first? Alan, Sheila, do you want who wants to step oh, in? I'll go. I'll just welcome people to New Realities. And this is part of an ongoing series of walk-in interviews coming up for the big conference at Portal to Ascension, the walk-in conference January 8th to 9th. Can we show some of those on the, um, on the uh, share screen? And uh, this is the brainchild, I like to say, of Sheila Seppi, who is the I would say consummate walk-in, you know, her, her book, Walk-In's Cosmology of the Soul is what really kicked this all off, including her own amazing experience. And um, uh, Sheila, why don't you just, just give a little talk, uh, just like a thing, like what is a walk-in? And today we have a really, well, maybe we have two walk-ins here or have three or a whole bunch, but what, <laughs> what is a walk-in and what is the conference about? Well, you know, walk-ins um, have an extreme soul experience. And I've started talking about soul experiences a lot because the type of walk-in that I am is a walk-in soul exchange, meaning one soul out and another soul in. And these are individuals who on the other side have made a contract that at a particular point in time, or in an emergency situation, an agreement is made and one soul leaves and the other soul comes in, takes over their life, clears their karma, and then uh, begins to clear all the cellular memories. Afterwards, then they can start their own mission that they came in with. And that's very exciting. There's also other types of walk-ins where you have a soul infusion where part of the soul stays and another higher aspect comes in. Now, a lot of people are getting that confused with what's happening all across the planet now where people are having more and more of their higher self to drop in and become part of their soul. So that's a very, very exciting soul experience. But another type of walk-in is the soul braid, where you have the two souls that kind of braid together inside the body. We have uh, overlay souls where you have one soul that remains in the body. The other soul kind of comes and slips over top of that soul, helping to enliven it. It serves as a battery charger of sorts just to help that soul to kind of get back on track. We have jumpers who are there for just a very, very temporary period of time. It could be hours. It could be uh, days. It could be up to a month, but it's very, very short lived. And then we have the multidimensional soul aspects where a person 
when they're born brings in multiple aspects of themselves. However, it's not until an accident or a surgery or something happens in that person's life that then one of the other soul aspects comes forward, but it remains forward until the original aspect is ready to come back. You can have two, three, four different soul aspects that have come in palladian soul you can have an arcturian a lyran whatever an angelic aspect that inhabits the body as well and then it's like this beautiful dance of soul energy that begins to take place and so on january the 8th and 9th we have a host of individuals who are coming that are all having walk-in experiences know of walk-ins have you know worked with walk-ins for an extended period of time and everyone is a little bit different um we have some that are soul exchanges we have angelic walk-ins we have individuals who have had um like the overlay experience, but most of the people, it took them just a little bit of time with the exception of Claire. I think Claire came in fully awake and aware of what was going on because she brought in her angelic aspect, as did Stephanie. Um, at the age of five, she knew that she was a walk-in and she kind of like embraced that from the beginning. But for most of us, it took you know, just a little bit of time for some people, like with me, it only took like six months to know and to be able to embrace and other people, it took a couple years and some people are still kind of working with that energy, but it's a very, very exciting time on the planet. And so of course we want to have um, these experiences that are taking place. And the other thing is with the various agendas that are taking place, um, outside of our planet, the best way to affect change without, um, you know, kind of breaking the, um, the golden rule of non-interference is to have individuals inhabiting human bodies on the ground helping to affect the change. So this is very exciting. The conference, you're going to hear wonderful stories. People are going to provide activations. And I know that everybody who watches this that takes part in it will come away changed. So I'm very excited. Well, that's one more thing I wanted to say about this upcoming conference. I think Neil would enjoy it. Since this is like Walkins 2.0, we did the introduction last year. This is not just about what is a walk and how to do, but right. people coming forth will do activations because, or some of them, because this is the time of cellular transformation. This is the time where, where not to be crude, but the shift hits the fan here, you know? <laughs> so it's like, this is where we go into right. fourth and fifth gear, the five, the fifth gear there. And so, um, Bridget, who I discovered on Clubhouse, I just had to listen to her voice and she, um, I just knew that she was someone we wanted in our community, Sheila, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that, absolutely. That belongs with us. And so Bridget, why don't you introduce the guests and tell us a little bit about yourself and your work too. Hello, everybody. Um, well, I'm a Starseed Channel Multidimensional Medium and Galactic Peace Ambassador, and I do a lot of service. I call it my massively abundant service on Clubhouse <laughs> and a club called Awaken Ascending. Clubhouse is a drop-in audio-only app. So you come in and you can 
hang out with different people in what we call rooms in within clubs. And I co-create Awake and Ascending, which is the club that I that I co-create. I co-create it with five other um, activated star seeds. We all have our own specialties and specializations. And um, we talk about everything from ascension to, you know, normalizing the conversation around extra dimensionals, interdimensionals, ultra dimensionals, extraterrestrials, and things like that. And um, a lot of conversations about our spiritual growth and consciousness expansion. I actually am a contact, um, I'm an ascension contact specialist. That's what I do right now. So that just means that I communicate with the higher realms, which I've done since, since birth. Um, and we assist others to remember those innate connections and deepen them and um, be able to communicate with what I call a soul team. And a soul team is just the collective of beings who have stayed outside of the human form to assist and guide us along our human experience and our journey. And there are friends and family from beyond the human experience, really. But I also help people shift perspectives and expand their consciousness, really step into their power. Um, and, you know, just remember that we're already whole. There, you know, we come in with all of the tools and gifts that we need for this human experience because we've trained lifetimes for what we're here to do. Each and every one of us comes in with masteries upon masteries upon masteries. And um, I help people shift into remembering these things. Um, and that's my, that's my purpose right now during this monumental period of humanity's evolution and consciousness. I also am a beyond quantum healing hypnosis practitioner, which is one of my favorite things to do, as well as an awakening and ascension mentor and a multidimensional energy healer. And I met James. I met Jim Fairley, James Fairley, um, on Clubhouse. His name on Clubhouse is Jim et al. And he is amazing. We became fast friends. And I learned of his NDE and his walk-in experience. And, you know, we've just bonded over so many different things. And um, he's near and dear to my heart. And I'm so excited to be here with him as he is telling his really, really um, important story to the world. So James, thank you. Love you. <laughs> thank you for that. That was, that was very, very good and very helpful. Um, so my story really begins in the summer of 2013, I was going to get a sailing certificate uh, for the high school that I taught sailing. And uh, so we went to Tampa Bay and we went out in some very, very challenging conditions with some very extraordinarily talented young sailors. And uh, after a few hours, I became tired and I dropped the tiller, which steals the, steers the boat and the boat kind of skidded out and I reached for the tiller. And as I sat back up quickly, it, the boom, which is the bottom part of the sail has a metal pole attached to it. It hit me in the back of the head um, and I died. Um, and uh, the last thing I remember was the poor person in the boat with me looking at me, absolutely terrified. Um, so if you want to use the words I came to, I came to on the dock 25 minutes later. And interesting aspect was I was about 20 yards to my left of my body and 20 yards to the rear of my body. 
And I watched with great curiosity as my body sort of propped itself up on its left elbow. And I looked at the woman who was running the course, who is a very, very difficult person to be around. And I said to her, I understand why you don't understand me. And it was even more curious because I really understood what I meant by saying that to her, why we didn't click. And she said, you're just effing crazy. And just to sort of put a point on how, frankly, uncaring she was at the moment, she said, so do you want to drive yourself to the hospital? And I passed out. And I basically woke up in the ER. Um, and the next thing I knew, I was wrapped in a damp towel waiting. And I sat there waiting for um, about six hours for help. But I have a photo here of myself in the hospital. And um, that is me. If you look at my eyes, there's no one home. The waxen skin, just not a good place. Um, so anyway. How long ago uh, was that? When did that experience happen? 2013, uh, June, June or July of 2013. Uh -huh. And so uh, uh, it, it, um, it was very difficult because uh, they just handed me my keys back basically after giving me a quick CAT scan and some naproxen. And I tried to drive home and my feet didn't want to work with the brakes or the gas. So I kind of rolled through all the red lights and stop signs and skidded into the hotel where a very big, nice security guard man. I explained my situation that I had been hit in the head and things didn't work out and I can't park my car. Could you please help me? And this very, very nice man said, no problem. And I went to my room. He made sure I was okay. I woke up the next day and it was a seven hour drive home. And uh, as is common with traumatic brain injuries, the next thing I remember is I was halfway home in Stark, Florida, going 90 miles an hour, staring at the left wheel, uh, front wheel of the car and not the road and just trying to go as fast as I could. And I can't explain any of that, but it, I'm very glad that no one was hurt. I didn't hit anyone, nothing else. And um, the next thing I remember was sitting in a comfy chair in the master bedroom and my wife and daughter kind of run in the room looking terrified. And I just kind of said, hi, <laughs> and thought it was very normal. And um, they had told me that they had just gotten some very frantic phone calls from Florida and they, they needed to know what was going on. So I did my best to explain it. Um, so that ended up being several months of not being able to really function which was very hard on me and very hard on my family where you, uh, I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean. I couldn't drive. I tried to ride a bike. I couldn't do that. I couldn't walk through a, a doorway very well without hitting one side or the other. And I was very broken and very angry. I would probably liken it to any of the veterans who have come back from overseas after, um, having their brain injured by bombs. I think it was a very similar situation. So, um, it really was about a two year slog for any sense of normalcy. But one day something very good happened. I was in my garage, just sort of cleaning and playing with the dogs and trying to be normal, but not feeling normal or not feeling like I belonged. Um, 
and uh, not having any memories of my life before the accident. It was like a dead TV channel. So what happened was, as I cleaned the garage, I heard a sound that sounded like an insect and something hit the back wall of the garage, the north wall of the garage. And I looked down and this is what I saw, which is this hummingbird. And um, this hummingbird was tangled up. If you look at its beak and its feet, it was tangled up in this spider webs and sawdust combination and it couldn't escape. And so um, I quietly put my pinky out and it jumped on my pinky and uh, managed to snap a photo of it. But I unwound the beak and unwound the foot. And then I asked Mother Gaia to help as I walked outside because I didn't want it to jump back off and fly back into the wall. So as soon as I got outside the garage, it kind of shook its head and woke up, which really amazed me. Um, keep in mind, I may already be a walk-in, but I didn't know it. And I didn't know about these things at all. I was just a regular suburban dad. So the bird flew away and I was grateful. Um, but um, what, what kind of job did you, what were you doing in the world? What was your work? All right. So I had been a wooden boat builder and had, I was getting close to retiring. And so to sum up, I had to retire now because I tried to build one more boat and I just couldn't do it. Um, I had to have my wife come out and try and align things and set it up because you kind of build a skeleton and then you build the boat over it. I couldn't do it. And it was very, very frustrating. Um, I eventually got the boat built, but it just was not what it needed to be. So kind of hung up those spurs. Um, mostly just at this point, I was now very lost. Um, my wife's a medical doctor, so she was the one paying the bills for the most part. Um, so what was interesting was about this time of life, um, my wife saw how lost I was and she really thought, why don't we bond together and do something good, which was really nice of her. She said, why don't we try and learn to surf together? And so we got some boards and we went out and just as things align and happen, I injured my right knee jumping off the board and kind of tore it up. But that was also an, an artifact of having a very athletic life too. So I went and um, I was talking to someone who I had met and she said, you need to go see the Reiki lady. And I go, what's Ricky? No, 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 no. Reiki. I don't know what Reiki is. What, what are we doing here? And she said, here's the number. Go call her. Make an appointment. So I make the appointment. And I end up at a little bungalow in town. And a classic little chubby gray-haired grandmother answers the door. And her husband waves from the other room. And she says, come on back. And I still, all I know is I have 60 bucks in my pocket. And I'm there for, for Ricky. And uh, I go in the back and I lie down and she sort of explains things. And I'm just sort of very open-minded and she slowly makes her one hour trip around my body, uh, keeping both of her hands about three inches off of my body as she slowly works counterclockwise from the top of my head. So it became interesting when she got to my right knee because she got to my right knee and suddenly in my mind's eye, I could see my right knee in a cartoon character of the knee joint as a skeleton. And there was this red band of energy circling the joint. And as she hovered over it, 
and again in my mind's eye, it turned slowly from red to green, a beautiful emerald green, to a beautiful golden color, to a wispy black smoke, which dissipated. And then she slowly continued around my body until she eventually got to my head again after an hour. And she said, all done. And I sat up and I said, would you like to know what I saw? And she looked very interested. And I told her, and she goes, you're now my student. And I go, a student of what? I still didn't get it. And um, we walked down to her kitchen and she opens up uh, a cupboard and pulls out a book. And she says, read this book and come see me in three weeks. And I'm going to give you a little test and an attunement. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> still just absolutely not getting any of this. Um, and so she, I came back three weeks later and I really couldn't do it. I couldn't, I'm a guy who, I, when I went to college, I took all the classes to go to medical school, except biochemistry for fun and did well. And there was, I mean, this Reiki level one, two test, it's about 13 little questions. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. She saw my highlighting and my index cards and flashcards and everything. So she had me, um, she mostly interviewed me about the book and saw that my heart was in the right place and um, sat me down and in this comfortable chair and stood behind me and quote, gave me an attunement. And all of a sudden, I could more sense, but could see these angelic beings all around me. Um, I can feel them right now. They're gathering. This is really beautiful. I really love this. And um, that was probably the real first big concrete, something has changed. Um, because you could, I mean, my family could certainly see a huge shift uh, in my personality. Um, as an ex-Catholic, I was sensing things, but having grown up, I was a Catholic for 40, 51 years altogether. And I was terrified of demonic possession. I just didn't know what was going on, you know? And, but as, as we know, the, the, the path, the plan unfolds as needed. And um, bit by bit, my teachers came forward and began to unravel these mysteries for me and began to teach me with greater and greater clarity my place on this path. And, but I will say one thing that really came through once this Reiki came through, which is service to others as a walk-in. I just didn't get the walk-in part yet. So um, there, there, there were things that did occur before the accident which were important. And one was, I felt as a former military officer and paratrooper, I felt I needed more empathy. I think, I think a lot of men in this world do. And so I began to investigate that and I was led to psilocybin. And so before the accident, what I did was I emulated a study that Johns Hopkins did where they took two groups of men, 15 men and 15 men, and they dosed these men every other month um, with psilocybin under controlled conditions. So long story short, I emulated the study and in my own way, because the men in the study, 86% of them said 
what they've received from the psilocybin was a deeply increased level of empathy for humanity. And so that was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So I got to use that as a leg up after this accident um, because I can remember staring into my mirror in my bathroom and suddenly I felt the spirit of the mushroom and the mirror turned into a portal. And in the portal was the Amazon and two Maya warriors in jade masks um, began to come forward out of the jungle and the room began to change. And of course, this completely took me by surprise. And I just very sternly said, you may teach me, but you may not frighten me. And they stopped and they backed up and the very wonderful drum beating ceased and the turned back into a mirror. Now that became important because um, I met a woman who was very connected uh, and she intentionally or, or just, I think almost by us being in the same room together, uh, I think everyone here understands what it's like to be in, in a room full of connected people. The magic just goes through the roof. And so what happened with her was um, she would come over from time to time and hold space as I would meditate. And when I would do that with her, magical, magical things would happen. And so when she came over this one day, I meditated. I really did what I didn't know yet. It was called a shamanic journey, but I was doing a, a journey. And um, she, I ended up back in the jungle and I saw a loved one an immediate family member who at the time was extraordinarily ill and they were lying on a black table. It looked like black onyx. And I knew that it represented a hospital table and they were covered with a very, very gossamer like cloth. And what intrigued me was they had what looked to me like EKG stickies down from on the chakra lines, but I didn't know anything about chakras. Also the EKGs at each location were the colors of the rainbow, Roy G. Biv. So here I am staring at all this stuff, never having heard the word chakra, couldn't really say it right if I had, had heard it, couldn't spell it, but there they were. And I like to give the rhetorical how, how is this possible? And you're being conveyed important information. So I, then felt my spirit team, who I call the grandmothers, and I knew they were with me. And I implored them, please help pump the diseases out of my loved one. And they said very sternly, no. And I really implored them. And again, they said, no. And then what occurred was they finally said, we will do this once, but we will not do this again. And they turned my body into a bellows made of animal skins. And they attached part of me, think of one arm going out to the loved one. And the other one was put into the creek. And then they squeezed me. The two Maya jade masked warriors squeezed my body 
And over the course of maybe two minutes, they pumped the poison out, the diseases out of this person's body. Um, and it was the most, absolutely the most mentally and physically exhausting thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, I was completely cooked. And so then I was located, I was swaddled in clothing like a baby. And I was surrounded by, I remember it being 17 grandmothers all around me. And the whole situation was bathed in violet light. And it was so loving and I didn't want it to end. And it was so grounding and calming. And they told me I had, I had done well and it was so worth helping. But when I went to bed that night, I had a wonderful dream. And in that dream, um, I was shown this. And that's a painting I made almost immediately afterwards. One of the grandmothers took a box of bones and shook it at me. And they were fish bones. And in a very, a voice, almost like a Filipino grandmother, you wake up, you hear me, boy, you wake up now. And I did, I woke up um, and I, and it was, it was very, very nice to have that occur. Um, one of the next things that occurred was um, I had been diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury. So um, through a neurologist uh, with a master's in, in medical, as a medical doctor. So I knew I really needed to, to not do psychedelics anymore. It's just too much for me. Um, but I began to hear in the circles in which I was appearing more and more, the connections I was making more and more about ayahuasca. So one day, uh, my friend came over who held space and uh, for me, and I was meditating. And it was I was meditating about ayahuasca because I really wanted to experience that spirit medicine. And Mother Ayahuasca appeared to me. And uh, I remember sitting upright. I was on a massage table, sitting upright, absolutely lucid, and seeing a vine with humble-shaped red flowers, nodding red flowers, um, which I can never remember the name of those flowers. But they're, they're basically... They took the vine of ayahuasca and the flowering plant of ayahuasca to make ayahuasca. And symbolically, the spirit of ayahuasca combined those two. And the flowers, she had me hold my hands up like that. And the flowers pierced my hands, the red flowers. And my veins began to pulse green with the presence of mother ayahuasca and infused my whole body with her spirit. And she said, you will, your brain probably would not handle ayahuasca now. So it would be better if we infused you with the spirit of ayahuasca. So now I will always be with you and you simply won't have to take it. And I meditate to her every single night with the deepest, deepest um, mindset of, of uh, gratefulness for that. Um, the journey just continues and, um, it, I like to say somehow. So the next thing that somehow occurred 
was I ended up buying, I think just online randomly, a singing bowl. And I, it had an inscription written on the side in a language that I didn't read. And so I very carefully copied it onto a piece of paper and I emailed that to um, a man in England. Um, I think his name is Frank Reynolds and he wrote one of the first books on singing bowls. And I said, can you read that? What does that mean? And he said, no, but there's a man in America named Dr. Mitch Nur in uh, uh, Percasey, Pennsylvania. Contact him. And so I emailed him and he said, the person who can read that is currently not in America. They're back in Tibet because there's a, a loved one who needs them. But I'm giving a class in three days on singing bowls. Why don't you join me? So my family is from Philly, Percasey, Pennsylvania is close enough to Philly. I dropped everything, made the appointment, went up. And so I spent the next eight years as a student of Dr. Uh, Mitch Nur, or as he just likes to be called Mitch, learning about singing bowls, how to play them, um, other various ways of healing through sound. That's how I ended up playing the gong. Um, he runs a very happy place every summer called Gong Camp. And that is the silliest name for the happiest place on earth. So Disney, you, you can't sue me over that because it's Gong Camp, not, the, not Disney World. So having said that, um, uh, it was a very, very wonderful place to go up and learn um, all of the different aspects of sound healing. And again, slowly, unintentionally widening your repertoire as a walk-in to be in service to others. Um, I still didn't grasp that that was what I was doing, but all good things with time, as we say. So this leads to the next aspect, which was when I was up there, Mitch mentioned he used to have a teacher who had eventually passed from old age. And his teacher was a hedge witch, which I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. And she, in her mid-60s, had developed stage four breast cancer and had cured her breast cancer with, as he said, parsley juice. Now I thought about all the chemistry classes I had taken in college and being in a medical family, you think about how that works. And then you begin to realize, how the heck did this lady cure herself with parsley juice? That's kind of funky. So um, that caused me to take an online herbalist course uh, with the Chestnut School of Medicine in Asheville. And that was a very good course. However, there was two things eventually came out of that class for me. One, I was not supposed to be working with the physical aspects of the plants, making tinctures and things like that. That was for someone else. But what the class taught me that was I cherish is you have to pick six local herbs near you and you have to study, meditate with each of those herbs one at a time for one full moon cycle. So for 28 days. So every morning I'd go out and grab my little piece of cardboard and sit in the garden um, with all the wonderful small beings flying around me and hopping around. And the first plant that I picked was this, which is chickweed. Chickweed is a very common plant. Uh, 
they typically come out winter to spring where I live. Um, they're kind of peppery tasting um, and they're very low. They have a little tiny white flower. So why bring up chickweed? So chickweed, I like a stern teacher. I really enjoy that. Um, and one of the things that was interesting was I'm out in the sun a lot here in the deep South and I was doing something and I noticed I had a spot on the bottom of my right bicep that looked a little funky. And so I meditated with chickweed and chickweed brought it up and said, we see the spot, we got you covered, we've taken care of it. Well, I'm very grateful. That's very kind of you, chickweed. That evening at dinner, my wife saw the spot on my bicep and she said, come to my office tomorrow morning at nine. I'm going to cut that off and send it to pathology. Okay. I guess I'll be doing that. Um, Cause I couldn't really bring up what had occurred. So that evening I did my evening meditation and chickweed appeared and I said, Hey, um, I love you to death there chickweed, but I'm double booked. Um, I just want you to know that is it okay that I'm going to go do this with my wife? And I thought they'd give me the love and light answer. I'm sure not a problem. Instead, I got a very stern, very curt, we will get back to you. Uh oh. And that nervous little Catholic schoolboy uh, who's taught to listen. Yeah. So there we were. So I did my morning meditation the next day, knowing that I had to be at the office in a couple of hours. And this is what the chickweed said to me. We understand that you live in a human construct and that there are rules that need to be followed. So yes, you do what you have to do. So whew, thank you. <laughs> I became very relaxed about that. And my wife excised it and sent it to pathology. And of course it was negative, but I thought that that was just a, an interesting little twist along the path of life. Um, and so I began to find out slowly through different people who came to me about being a walk-in, accepting being a walk-in and things like that. But along the way, I also learned about being a starseed. I can't imagine calling it anything else because this woman who would hold space for me, um, she and I were meditating in her home and we really didn't know what we were doing. I, I, I like to jokingly call it two kids wandering in traffic. Um, you know, we had no safeties up. We didn't really know what we were doing. And all of a sudden we found ourselves what I call bilocated. Um, we were both in her home and on a ship. And uh, the most fascinating aspect actually not the most, but a very fascinating aspect of this occurrence was how we got there. So if you ever saw the old Doctor Who show from the late seventies, there's the music at the beginning. And then what looks, I just would describe it as a wormhole, um, uh, a funnel of blue, blue and black electricity. And um, we traveled down that um, individually and ended up on a ship. And here is that ship. 
I had my son create this. He does uh, CGI graphics professionally. Um, and that is very close to what it looked like. Um, I didn't want to tell the artist exactly what to do. I just gave him general things. And once we ended up in the ship, I ended up in a chair, a very comfortable chair, like a dental chair. And to my left were two tall mantis beings. And um, I'm still on the stage of amazement that I'm saying those words very sincerely and very lovingly and with gratitude because they are amazing, amazing, loving beings who are so wise and so helpful. But as I sat in the chair, one of the mantis beings brought, if you can see this being in. Now, what is that? That is from Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. It's a little action figure. And that is called a Nemoidian. So I got one of the little figures and took a picture of them. But that is, if you had up here a little hat without a bill, like a baseball cap without a bill, he was wearing a little hat on his head. And I got the impression that this race was not as intelligent as humans, close, but not as intelligent, but more importantly, at the same level of spiritual development as humans. And this being was very, very fascinated as he was being taught about human anatomy. He was fascinated by the fillings in my teeth and was very confused as to why we would do that, why we would put metal in our teeth. Um, so I thought that that was a, a very interesting occurrence. Now, that session ended, but there were many others where we went back to this ship. And I always felt that the woman's house that we were sitting in, that she was perhaps the activator to this and that the meetings were about me and she witnessed them. Um, she would always be viewing the entire room at the same time. And I would see things in a very close way, like you're sitting across the table from someone. So I remember during one of the sessions, I said to the mantis beings, I would like you to give me the plans for a free energy device so that I can give it to the world. And their answer was both kind of humorous and a little aggravating because they said with a bit of a chuckle, you can't handle that. So instead, there happened to be a dry erase board right near me as I was sitting on the floor meditating. And I picked it up and the dry erase marker. And with my eyes closed, they had me draw a large circle. And at the top of the circle, at the 12 o'clock position, they had me draw a dot. And that, rec that represented a seed. And at three o'clock, they had me draw a small plant with raindrops. So that was the seed germinated. At the six o'clock position, the plant was bigger. And at the nine o'clock position, there was a stick figure harvesting the plant. And as they explained to me, that is what we need. We don't need a free energy device. That is the free energy device because the water, the seed, the earth, and the sun will give us everything that we need. I mean, there's an old Hopi saying about all we need in life is a loincloth and a corn planting stick. And that's very interesting. So, uh, I think if you live in Nebraska, you might need a little more, but I still thought that was pretty cool.
So um, I had uh, a very nice woman come into my life, yet another teacher. And she really took me under her wing and she taught me how to meditate much, much better. So I didn't need the group meditation to get where I was going, although that is still a very wonderful way to do it. Um, and so I would hire her for an hour, but she would give me three. And um, I'm, an aspect of having a traumatic brain injury is that you commonly can have symptoms of being ADHD. And I really had them. Um, so this very, very nice 90 pound grandmother, one of the most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. She finally had it with me one day in the yoga studio. And I told you, I like a tough teacher. So I'm lying on my back and this 90 pound woman is literally kneeling on my chest. And she has me by the collars and she's gently lifting my head and dropping me over and over. And she's growling, stay inside. <laughs> because every time I would go somewhere, I'd sit up and exclaim, oh my God, I went, this happened, that happened. She's just like, oh, Jim, stop. Just stop. <laughs> I think Bridget knows me well enough to, to, to understand all of this fully. So um, what was wonderful about this this aspect in this yoga studio was I had kind of another big breakthrough moment where suddenly I felt a presence and suddenly I could see a presence and I didn't know who it was. And I thought it looks a little bit like Buddha, but it's extraordinarily feminine. So I described the being to my teacher and she thought about it for a moment and she said, it's Guan Yin or Kuan Yin, the Chinese goddess of mercy. And click. Now she's here right now. I think that's wonderful. I think that's so wonderful. Thank you for coming. And so I have a beautiful little wooden carved statue next to my bed of her. And she is so good at reminding me to stay grounded, to be in service, to be patient, to be kind. And every time that I'm patient and kind with someone who is irritating me, it pays off in spades because you really get to, you're allowed in my opinion, to understand if just partially why they are the way they are in that moment, which harkens back to what I said on the dock. I understand why you don't understand me. Um, so that was really quite a beautiful moment. Um, so it's not always perfection. Sometimes lessons are a little odd. Um, so I began, this is before COVID, I began to attend meetup groups. You've probably heard of meetup.com. And I would go down uh, to Jacksonville, Florida, to the big city. And um, I would go to what they called group Reiki. And group Reiki was a couple of massage tables set up and about mm, 30 people. And they would put someone on the massage table and then eight or 10 of us would go around that person and lay hands on them and do Reiki. And um, again, I was like a little kid playing in traffic. I didn't have any protections up or anything. And so you, you get what I call sticky. You, you pick up a lot of stuff. Um, and I went to about six of those sessions and it was wonderful to meet my tribe and it was wonderful to be of service. However, I'd always come home really 
for about the next 36 hours feeling very yucky, very flu-like. And uh, for better or for worse, the final visitation down there was, there was a man there that you could tell the group, we all just weren't comfortable with his energy. Um, I'm trying to be very kind because believe me, he, he was very unsettling to be around. And he, it was his turn to lay on the table. And I was at the head of the table up by his crown. And we began. And I put my hands on his shoulders and put my third eye near his crown. And a snake, which I have very good relationships with snakes, jumped out of his forehead and struck at me. And this unsettled me so much because it was just definitely done in a very malicious way. I cut cords with him and ran and went outside and left and never went back. Um, there's a lesson in there. I'm not quite sure what it is or how important it is, but like so many things, you just sort of file it away and, and continue to move forward. Um, so my family was not overly thrilled with this aspect of me that had come out. And I think like may happen with so many of us, when something is new, we're very enthusiastic and vocal about it. And so I kind of was pushy with it. And my family understandably pushed back as I feel they should have. Um, but all of this sort of came forward in an interesting way. So one day after Hurricane Michael had really devastated our island, my son and I were out back and we were cleaning up hurricane damage and part of the fence had been smashed down and we were moving the, the broken pieces. And as I moved uh, a fence post, it broke in two. And inside the fence post was a pretty big hornet's nest. And I looked at my adult son who's standing next to me and I said, run. And he did. He ran about 25 feet away and looked back at me. And as he was running, I said in my mind to the hornets, I'm very sorry. I didn't do this on purpose. And if you'll give me a moment, I will do my best to help you. And so the hornets flew up and I probably had about 30 of them slowly circling my head, but not attacking me. So why bring up the hornet's nest? Well, I looked at my son and I said, I know you and your mother think I'm crazy, but I can talk to these beings. And I do. I talk to them very well. I call them the small beings, the bees, the lizards, the snakes, the butterflies, the plants, and then the one big being that I speak well to are trees. And so as my son is watching me just in disbelief, I told the hornets, I'm going to pick up your post and put it in the shade so that you can continue your lives, which I did. And they seemed to agree with that because I ended up not being bitten or stung, which <laughs> was expected by me. But also I was grateful that I was allowed to interact in that way. So later that, go ahead. I was just going to say, you've got a fascinating story. And uh, I was just wondering with all of this information that has come to you, how have you put that together now? How are you bringing um, all of your gifts and things forward? Sure. So I've been thinking about that. 
And what I've done is these connections allow me to know why I am here. Um, a friend finally convinced me that I was a walk-in and I had to really accept that, that I was still Jim, still a dad, just different. And what I have done is realized I am here to help the earth. And they put a very fine point on that because I said, did I volunteer for this? And they said, no, you were chosen. And I don't like the limelight. So I kind of shrunk on that a little bit, accepted it. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to help the earth by the most common way is this. I will go up to a person who I just know is ready to receive the metaphorical seed that I've been given to offer them. And usually it's a person behind a register in a retail environment. I metaphorically hand them their seed. We have a quiet talk and they blossom right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And to me, I am expanding the web. This is how I am helping. And um, I will give a very concrete example. My sister and I were talking about this at breakfast. She's just a very normal suburban soccer mom. And she said, I want to do what you do. Wow. She's just a rock and roll chick who likes to have fun and has kids, right? And I said, ask. And right then and there, she asked. And in 30 days, her gifts had blossomed a hundredfold past mine. And she now has her own web that she's weaving and creating that whole system of help, which is spreading across the entire planet. And that is what I and she are here to do. Um, in my case, as a walk-in and as a star being, because I was told, why am I a walk-in? Because the original soul felt it could not complete the contract as, as agreed to. Um, so can you give us a few of the highlights that you're going to talk about at the conference? Um, I wish to weave in the occurrences that I've had. I wish to weave in what it is like to be a walk-in because it is a difficult path. Um, the other day on Clubhouse, Bridget really walked through what it is to be a, a a walk-in. And when you're this close to it, you don't really think about who you are and what you do. You just do it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she checked every single box and the one box that I even told her at the time that didn't quite seem to fit was the damaged body. But in fact, cause I thought disease, you know, um, people who have really horrible autoimmune diseases and then they're a walk-in and then they change. But I did have to suffer a brain injury uh, which I still have, and to get through all that. Um, and so what I want to convey is my place to enlarge the web that we all need to continue to bring about this change, which energetically seems to have occurred and now perhaps socially will be conveyed as we meet more and more people. Um, and you're going to do, do a little channeling for us during the conference? Yes, I'm, I'm comfortable with channeling. Um, the light language 
I still am in the stage of I can do it, but I get so self-conscious. I don't know why. Um, uh, I just kind of fold up, but now I can channel at the drop of a hat. You know, once once the once they understand what is being asked, then the information will flow uh, very very easily through me. So you're a conscious channel. Well, yeah. Oh, what? Well, James, yes. I just want to say you have an amazing story. That is a shamanic awakening, I would call it, where, you know, the, the higher gifts have come in and it could be, well, a walk in, yes, but also like you, you found the true nature of your soul. It's like was always in there. It just was not activated maybe, or maybe mm -hmm. do you feel it was a different soul that came into your body or was it an amplification of what was there? I mean, maybe that doesn't matter. Of course. First of all, what you just said was one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. So thank you for saying that Alan, quite seriously, that, that was very helpful. All of you are deeply healing to me. Um, so having to answer your question, what do I think occurred? I do think that there was about a two year overlap of old soul, new soul. Um, my memories before the accident, this is quite intriguing to me. It is my life before the accident is a dead TV channel. It's just uh, snow. And when I want something from that part of my life, um, this has gotten better, but it's as if I have to ask someone for the information and they have to go get it and bring it back. Mm. Um, and I do believe that the old soul after maybe two years had to go and mm -hmm. go do something else. And, um, so I can remember say my eighth grade graduation, I can remember my fifth birthday party, but it's not click. There's the memory it's push a button, wait for the screen to load. And there's the information. And that's the way it is. And you move forward, doors closed, doors opened, and I get to meet all of you, which is fabulous. You know, I think, I mean, I get a real shamanic, uh, you know, vibe, vibration from you, especially your work with plants. It's like mm -hmm. I, what I get, and I don't know if you, it's true, but you could just send frequencies of plants to people. I mean, besides like, you know, your own information, but you can send the frequency to people, which would be healing. You could send the ayahuasca frequency or the chickweeds frequency. And that's your medicine is the frequency that you incorporated into your, what, why are you laughing? Would, would you like to hear? Yes, they absolutely. They're doing this in the background going, yeah. that's the message, Jim. That, that's what? it. Well, Alan you, is telling you what this is the big <laughs> the book. You just knew fell this, open. right? You you knew that, didn't you? Because um, you know? I'm going to say what I said to Bridget privately. People see things. I'm going to be specific. Bridget, you see something in me that I don't see. Alan, you see something in me that I don't see. Sheila, you too. Okay. So the books just they're all falling off the shelf as a metaphor all around me. I can see them. And this is fabulous. <laughs> this is so. This is a giant awakening for me mm -hmm. and it's happening in front of all of you. So thank you. Beautiful. Well, I would love for you to share that medicine if you fail to on the, the walk-in conference, because it is a conference of initiation and activation. So 
just to experiment, you know, without any expectations, or you could even do it now. You want to send us the ayahuasca frequency. No, you don't have to. I don't know if I'm ready for that, but I'm going to opt out. <laughs> no, no, I don't need the, I've done the ayahuasca frequency, but, uh, and it's good for some people, but it would help probably other people who've sort of are sort of addicted to ayahuasca, but um, no, but at some point during the conference, think of something you think we all need or in the next two weeks, work with something, get there, download. And would you like, would you like to, would you like to hear chickweed speak now? Yes, I would. I love chickweed. There we go. (laughs) I picture him as like a little cartoon character, but yes. (laughs) I humbly humbly ask to interact the spirit of chickweed uh, so that, the message that I can tell you wish to convey to these wonderful people can be conveyed. We send you grounding. We send you deep, deeper than you think you have ever been. Mother Earth cries out to all of you. Her anguish is palpable. The changes must occur. Connect, continue to connect. Become the roots, intertwine. Continue the work that you are doing. You have agreed to this, this is not optional. That is all for now. Thank you, Chickweed. Wow. Thank you. What, are you, uh, I just want to ask, are you like, did you ever look at the Finhorn stuff where they're channeling the spirit of the plant? Is that similar to the spirit of the Devic presence or is that too much of, of the plant itself? Is that what you're sort of tapping into? I, sitting here, I felt the spirit of the chickweed and then the other beings who I, I mentioned arrived as real as if you and I, Alan, were sitting on my couch having coffee. Um, wow. So they arrive, I interact, I listen. Um, when needed, I will channel and then they will leave. And, and then something else may or may not occur that moment, that day, that week. So can you sit with any plant and, and connect and then access the essence of any plant you want? They said as needed, yes. Because this is what the old shamans would do to find out what a plant was, the healing properties of the plant. They would sing to the plant or dance to the plant and the plant would open up its communication field and connect with that shaman that wanted to know the medicine of that, of that energy. So mm-hmm. I think... I think you should write a book about all the plant connecting to the plants. And, and of course your story is fantastic, but that's just a prologue to your work. That's what I get. And so, you know, we're, we're losing our energetic connections to plants because mm-hmm. technology is taking over and, and that doesn't have a spirit technology. It has, has a kind of, um, well, you can feel it's kind of an artificial metallic overimposition of, of a kind of, a, I would guess, a kind of arconic um, 
And what, you know, and, what, yeah. and what they're saying right now is very, very enthusiastically, the young ones are coming in, they are rushing in, and the young ones will reteach us what we need to know. Right. Um, you I have to teach them how to teach us. <laughs> in, in a way, yes. I mean, this again, it's this weaving this web. Um, I'm so grateful for what Sheila did, which was, you know, there's a reason I was here. I am here. And it's not just to be here's my little bio. This is what happened to me. No, you have to interweave that into why it happened. Um, And part of the reason I'm grateful is I don't hang my hat on having a brain injury, but there are moments where when people speak, they speak in packets and people with brain injuries, depending on the severity, drop packets, but highly intelligent people can get through that like the people who are listening to me right now. And I'm grateful for that. Um, That's what my doctor told me about this. So, but I am so, (laughs) I'm so grateful for what you said, Alan, about the plants that was so wonderful and intuitive and and perfect. I feel it. I feel you. I mean, you could hang your hat on being a shaman. Is that okay to hang your hat? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because that is what I get you are and and you're a teacher of shaman that shamanic connection to the plant kingdom to the divic kingdom and there's so much that I think you can do now as you sit with oak trees and bushes and you know house plants and um, I'm just looking at what's around me. Oliveira and all that. Cactuses have a lot to say, cactuses. So it depends <laughs> where you are, of course, but um, I don't know. That's just one, something I get about, you know. Well, here, here's a picture. And this is the picture of my daughter in Peru uh-huh. with this very nice man who his accent was so thick I could never understand it. But he was a shaman and we hired him for the day to show us the sacred valley. And uh while we were there, he sat us down and had a little reading. And he basically opened an energy portal over us. And it looked like a little wrinkle. Um, And he looked at me and he said, you are a healer. And my daughter didn't know anything about this. And I became very self-conscious and said, yes. And he snaps his head over and looks at my daughter. And he, and he said to her, and you will father you will follow in your father's footsteps. And she was probably 22 at the time. And she looked like she was nine years old, just moment in life. (laughs) And it was, it was so, so sweet. But um, when you have a Peruvian shaman tell you who you and what you are, you better start listening. Well, have you talked to your family about your gifts? Because it is a gift. Have you told them what you do? I did two things. Um, one was I sat them down at the kitchen table and I channeled for them. And um, my son, who's very, very wise and very intelligent, he kind of did, um, his training is in uh, computer graphics, but he kind of did the lawyer thing and tried to sort of outcircle me. And of course, it's not me speaking. So the intellect is going to be pretty hard to encircle. And he couldn't do it. And he was so frustrated. <laughs> And my wife is watching and keep in mind, you you can't make someone accept, but they saw it in action. 
and that's kind of hard to deny. Now, the only thing I've done that I wish I hadn't was I was having a very, very deep, dark nights of the soul. Um, I was dead in the middle of it. It was six months long. And I decided to tell my wife that I was a hybrid. And that did not go well because I shattered her. Um, Bridget, what do you call that moment? You call it crack open moment. That was her crack open. Yeah. And a, a few nights later, I got up to use the restroom and my wife is fully dressed at three in the morning in the art room. And she's angrily painting, slapping paint on the canvas. I looked at her and I said, are you on call? And she just turned her head at me and she said, no. And I go, what's wrong? She goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong is what you told me. That's what's wrong. And I'm like, "Uh oh, and it's the only thing in this whole journey that I truly wish I had never done. You should have just said, only kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But she still doesn't get it. Right. No, it's just, well, that's okay. I mean, what are you going to do? People are at their own rate of awakening and you're, you planted a seed. She might not ever get it. Or she might say, maybe there is something to that possibility. Well, one of the things that I'd like to say is I find it very commendable that you guys have stayed married through this whole thing, because a majority of the walk-ins that I know, and especially me in my case, within three months, I had left the marriage because there just wasn't, you know, I was such a different person that I had absolutely nothing in common with that person. And I find this Mm -hmm. to be something that occurs frequently with walk-ins just because the newness of this new person walking in and taking over this life Yes, you may have the same body, but you don't have the same soul. You don't have the same thoughts. You don't have the same commonalities. And so uh, good for you, because that also had to be something that was very tough for you. So I commend you on that. I appreciate that because I I researched that 86 percent of near death experiencers don't stay married. Um, Wow. And it's, it's just so different. Uh, The only thing that's hard from having left and come back is this. Um, There was a woman who survived Auschwitz and about nine years later, she was bicycling in Belgium and she was hit by a car and she died. And she had this, she had her experience over there and came back and she had the same hangover effect I do, which is People in this reality never really look at each other. And it's very upsetting because Mm -hmm. I feel that it's a slippery slope of, I don't see you as a person. Um, I know we're busy. I know we all have struggles with money and relationships and self-worth. But if you just take the time to look at another being, human, as worthy of everything you'll treat them that way and um Mm. it's hard it's very hard that is a good lesson i know you have to go sheila we might continue on just wrap it up but um do you have anything to say before you go sheila 
No, I'm just, uh, I'm very excited to have you as part of the walk-in conference. I think that you're going to bring a very different perspective, a different element, and much grounding uh, that's needed for the planet right now. And Bridget, I want to thank you again for uh, popping on and, and being with us today. And of course, Alan, always thank you for your support. And Neil, um, you guys are just awesome because you really do help to make this event possible. So thank you so very much. And I apologize, I do have to go, but many blessings to you all and happy solstice, everyone. Happy solstice. I just want to say, I love, I love hearing stories like yours, James, because it, it shows me there really is magic in the world. There really is something to all this stuff that I've been so fascinated with for so many years. It's like, I keep sometimes thinking, could this stuff really be true? Could there really be aliens here? Could there really be dimensional beings? Could we, and it's like, of course, I know on one level, but you know, there's the old programming, which we've all been brought up with that says, really? You know, every time I, I visit my mother, she says, you really don't believe that stuff. I said, not only do I believe it, I know it's true. But every once in a while, there's the old programming. And then, but to hear your story and to see how um, grounded you are, you feel really grounded in this because it's, you can't argue with someone's experience. You've, you've, You've integrated. I, I mean, yeah, maybe you still have an injury, but there's something that you've integrated, and now you're you are part of the evolutionary mm -hmm. leaders in a sense that just by doing what you're you're doing now and and in giving these gifts to the world and teaching others, I think you um, can, should, will, maybe teach others how to. You know, read the spirit of plants because that is what we need in this time if we're going to save the earth, you know, and maybe for the upcoming thing that you'll be talking about, the walking conference, you could give us an initiation or an activation into one of those levels, just an assignment, you know, find a really great plant or tree and, and give us an activation on the frequencies of those beings so we can start to integrate their field into our field. You know what I mean? So we start to merge the ecological Gaia, Gaia field with the human field and understand how much pain the planet is in now and how much it is here for us to, to be cohabitating with you know, as, as beings, you know, we're just visiting, but, you know, it is kind of our spaceship right now. So it's um, part of, anyway, that's just an idea. No, I know. I, I think I, it's I, a beautiful idea. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like what, when you, when you talk about this, um, what I feel is that you are accessing your oneness because my team always says that everything in existence has consciousness and they explain that consciousness is form. It may not be a dense form like we're experiencing in this expression, but that we are 
you know, what I know to be true is that we are in oneness with everything in existence, right? So mm-hmm. especially our planet and our um, co-inhabitants, this is one, um, it's almost like we have individuations of one organism, right? Like individual um, aspects of one organism. Um, so when Jim talks about being, you know, con- connecting in with chickweed, chickweed has a persona, right? Just like we do. Mm-hmm. But chickweed is also part of a larger whole, right? Just like we are. And I feel like this is, this is having these conversations helps people to remember, right? It activates and awakens just having the conversation about the energetics and that they have um, energetic medicine as well as physical medicine, because really this physical body is just a dense energetic form, right? Okay. And what were you going to say, uh, James, about, you know, that assignment I gave you? Um, I'm, I'm going to do that for sure. Um, it's, it's absolutely spot on. Um, uh, I will figure out over the next couple of days exactly, and I'm going to practice it. Yeah. Um, I'll go out to the yard. There's lots of chickweed out right now. Um, and it's, it's very, very important. Um, I really, I really feel very called to read something to you. It's, it's very brief. It's about a paragraph. Yeah, no, take so, your time. If you've ever heard of the Stone Circle of Avebury in England, it's the largest stone circle. I was just writing about that this morning because I'm taking (laughs) a tour there with some people next summer. So, yes, I was I've been there. I'm going back there. So, yes, I want to hear what you have to say. Yes. Yeah. So. um, Yeah. So there are some very sacred trees there that uh, are very beautiful. Um, Actually, I have a photo of them right here. And. uh, I'll share that real quick. Yes, please. And then what I found out after I visited Avery was I texted my friends in England and they said that um, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote most of Lord of the Rings sitting under those trees. And when you go there, you're going to see those roots and really you'll, you'll, you'll notice those trees. They have a lot of very colorful ribbons tied in them with sacred objects that people leave. So what occurred, uh, as I walked through the stone circle, I took two days to do it. And the second day I was there, I had my backpack with my notebook and pen with me. And I heard information being sent to me. And I finally, just after a few minutes of this, sat down and started to write down what I was hearing. So as I wrote the words down, I could tell it was forming a poem. And what blew me away the most was I finally asked, who are you? And I got something and I said, louder, please. And they said it again. And finally I said, really loud. I want to know who you are. And I had handwritten out the poem. And when the name came through of the author, it was in script and the name was Merlin. Wow. Apparently receiving poetry from the land is a thing in England. It's, it's not unheard of. Mm. So this is, this is the poem that I could never have written as long as I live. So uh, this happened July 2nd, 2018 in the Avebury Stone Circle. Crescent moon and fortnight sun. 
the geese will fly and the deer will run. Let their hearts open to the skies so people may quiet their own mournful cries. We must walk with purpose to help quiet the earth, to bring her bounty and chase away the dearth. She wants to help, but we do not listen. Our minds close down, self-imposed and frizzen. Look up, look down, all great and small. We must remember to be fair to all. Take this note, dear friend of land. Be good, be good, as we all truly can. Merlin. Wow. You know, that, I just I got that could be the prologue to your book, you know, about the healing power of plants and the shamanic communications. And I mean, I, I appreciate that. And I'll put two fine points on that. Number one, the expression Fortnite sun is, is an English expression for a heat wave, which I'd never heard before. So how did an American use a British expression? He's never heard. Wow. The second word is the word frizzen. Now frizzen means sort of a, huh, in a crowd. Right. And uh. I kept spelling that word frizzen because I didn't know how to spell it um, as the part of a front of a flintlock rifle It's part of the firing mechanism. So I couldn't spell the word, right? I'd heard it once because I have a British friend, but again, this, these messages from the ether that are so beautiful. And wow. I was in England doing two weeks of shamanic training. So at the time I was really dialed in. And it was very, very pleasant. Um, mm. But yes, uh, I felt that c considering what Chickweed said about the planet, that that is being reiterated in Merlin's poem. But one last thing about the poem was there's a crystal shop run by a woman named Donna, uh, a very beautifully. Is, is, that, is that the woman. hinge? Is that called the hinge, that shop or something? Um, Somewhere I forget it, it is it is literally right on this it's in the circle so yeah. uh, when you go there just go to the little shop she's a beautiful tall blonde woman with very wide set eyes eyes that are just unnaturally wide apart but she's very alluring um, as, as I stared at her I felt she was reading my mind because she got a little wry smile on her face um, but mm. I, I asked her I said Merlin why would he talk to me and with a very nice little friendly laugh, she said, why not you? And I thought that was such a comfortable thing to say to someone. You, you, know? you know, there's a Merlin cave on the West Coast. Have you been there to town, Jillying? No, I have not. There's a cave of Merlin down right near the West Coast of, um, of England there. So it's, it's it, and the water rushes. I actually have a rock from the Merlin cave. I'll show it to you. That I brought back, and um, this is oh, do you see? That's my Merlin rock from the Merlin. Ellen, we're on we're on Jim's screen. Oh, can you take? Oh, can I, you sorry. take that off? Yes, yes, yes. So Let me just see take you. that off and take that off there. Um, yes, you see that? There we go. Wow! Wait, I don't I, see it. Oh, there you go. Oh, beautiful! From the cave of. It's a two-tone, it's a rock from the cave of Merlin. Oh my gosh. Really pretty. Oh my, I, love I put story. my hand near the screen. It wants to pull it into the screen. Pull my hand near the rock. Yes. Really? Anyway, also, I don't know. I think there, there's a lot of Merlin energy out there. So um, also flip it over from the way you have it. Oh, this way? Yeah. 
it and drop it a little bit lower. Yeah. It's it, I'm not seeing Okay, that. it's interesting. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What's a little blurred there? There we go. Okay. Anyway, I don't know, but there is a lot of Merlin energy out there and I felt really Yes. I felt really like you really did tap into something that is eternal in a way, the spirit of Merlin, the spirit of the, of, oh, that was a shaman of the, that kind of whole other way of relating of nature, of interacting, of being connected to nature. It's like, we think nature is something out there, but, you know, we have to shift that awareness. So mm, very much. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I would because I sense we're winding down. Yes, um, yes. I would like to leave with just uh, one thing, which is a poem from the Dr. Jane Goodall, who works right. with the chimpanzees. And the poem is, I'm going to truncate it because it's very long. Mm -hmm. So it's called, Only They Can Whisper Songs of Hope. You can look it up. So this is a heavily abridged version, but this, that's on my Instagram, the whole poem. And what's your but, Instagram? Um, uh, Jim Farley. Okay. So right. instead of James, it's Jim Farley. Okay. All one two R's so, and two um, L's. Right. Yeah. Two R's and two L's. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this, I have trouble reading this without losing it. So I'll do my best because it completely sums up my near-death experience. Um, the world has need of them, those who stand upon the bridge, who know the pain and the singing of a bird and the beauty beyond a flower dying, who have heard the crystal harmony within the silence of a snow-peaked mountain. For who but they can bring life's meaning to the living dead? Oh, the world needs those standing on the bridge, for they know how eternity reaches to earth in the wind. Only they can blow the dust from the seeing eyes of those who are blind, yet pity them, those who stand on the bridge, for they, having known utter peace, are moved by an ancient compassion to reach back to those who cry out from a world which has lost its meaning. And so they stand there on the bridge, torn by the anguish of free will, yearning with unshed tears to go back, to return to the starlight of their beginnings to the utter peace of the unfleshed spirit. Yet only they can whisper songs of hope to those who struggle helpless toward light. Oh, let them not deserve us, those on the bridge, those who have known love. Mm. Who, who wrote that? Oh, Jane Goodall. Oh, Jane Goodall wrote it. Wow. And I stamp my little feet when I say this. I am convinced that she is in her last incarnation and is, yes. and is already an ascended master. She is nothing short of amazing. She, um, she, she is a master. She is a saint. She is a, came here to show the world compassion for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. And yes. that's in her book called um, reason for hope, but it's a, just a poem called only they can whisper songs of hope. Uh, and it's very long, but wow. um, that's the first time I ever read that and didn't cry. 
Great. And I'm not a guy Good who sits job. around the house. <laughs> not a guy who sits around the house crying. You know, got things well, to do. Got to, you are you know. whispering songs of hope, James. You really are. I'm really happy you can be with us. On well, this was this has been so much fun, and Bridget was right. Yay, Bridget! <laughs> Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, oh. Alan. Thank you, Sheila. Great. Thank you, I'm, everyone. Where Where are you located? Which part of the country? I'm just north of Jacksonville, Florida, on St. Simons Island, Georgia. Oh, in Georgia. Okay. Right. Great. All right. Well, hopefully we'll meet sometime. I'll be down in that area. And, um, and, um, but I look forward to seeing you. James is part of the big conference we're doing on January 8th and 9th, portal to ascension, uh, org slash events walk in, I think as you can find it, the walk-in conference, uh, Bridget, you have anything you want to add before we sign off here? Oh, I'm just really excited about the walk-in conference. It's January 8th and 9th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. both days. Um, And each speaker will speak for about 45 to 50 minutes and have 10 to 15 minutes Q&A with all of the participants or whoever's questions come through first, I should say. And then at the end of each day, there's a panel conversation. And the interesting thing about this conference is that they're bringing in other um, Wish Alliance emissaries and ambassadors for the panelist conversation on each day. So James Fairley will be speaking on the first day. We also have... Um, you know, many other speakers, of course. And then on the second day, for those of you that know me, you'll probably know Stephanie Lodge. She'll be the last speaker of the second day and I'm in the panel on the second day as well. So I think, you know, I'm really excited about about the conference. I feel like there's so much um, truth that is coming through this. Yes, thank you, Alan. Or Neil or whoever's doing that. (laughs) No, I'm doing it. So this is the conference coming up. If it says $77, but if you put the code in PTA 25, you get 25% off. So yeah. um, tell everyone that, but, uh, and Bridget, yes, you'll be on the panel because Bridget was one of the stars of our last conference, which was the hybrid conference. So we like to mm-hmm, rotate people, new people. So it's really great. James is coming out of the closet and here's some. <laughs> Yay. And um, these are all great teachers here. So you're seeing all of the speakers roll by really quickly. There's James. And then Stephanie, I think, is next. Yes. And then, oh, Um, she's the hug angel. Do you know Jason Addison Ames? I do not. He is. I don't. He really is a great channel. He's really channeling some high level beings. So, um, yeah, so it's a really good collective of people. I'm glad you're going to be there with us, Bridget. James, great to meet you. Fantastic story. You got a lot to do in this world. You know that, you know. <laughs> yes, and, and, and they keep giving me more and more energy to do, get it done, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, I think if you want to teach uh, shamanic plant communication on Portal to Ascension, we could arrange that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I- yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as we say, walk through every door offered. You have to, you know. Um, <laughs> Joan, Joan uh, what was that comedian's name? Joan Rivers said that. She said, "You know how I, how I got through life when a door of opportunity opened, I walk through it." And I really love that expression. That's what I do. If someone asks me, I just say yes, yes. yes that's <laughs> the answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As 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 you were speaking, I typed out. 
chickweed plant activation ceremony. So I know my homework. It's good to have homework. <laughs> right, right. And people overlook chickweed as a common weed, right? But it's, mm-hmm. it's, look at the Findhorn stuff. You talk to the peas there that were great beings, the little pea pods there. This woman, Dorothy McLean, would channel those plant divas for the, uh, for the Findhorn group. And they grew incredibly huge plants in this place that wouldn't even grow anything before they arrived, before they, before they started talking to the divas of the plants. So, okay. That's really cool. Oh yeah. When I started meditating heavily, like, you know, two to four hours a day, I go through periods of this. I will say that everything around us just exploded with energy too. So like, there's just a oneness and a connection when you're spending a lot of time in that energy, um, everything around you is benefiting as well from that energetic surge. So I can just imagine, and you know, there's a, I live in Southern Florida right now, and there's a lot of really cute weeds here, weeds, um, and I always say weeds are plants that are really good at being plants, right? And that's what makes them a weed for people, which is so silly to me because, you know, maybe they get a little leggy, maybe they do whatever, but they're really good at propagating themselves and moving around. So I feel like they get a bad rap and really it's an aesthetic thing for most people, right? right. But I'm like, I like them. I think they're cute. <laughs> yes, I I, I promoted them in my yard so much. My wife one day, very understandably, lost it. And she's just like, I want a normal suburban yard. And we live on a third of an acre. And so the front yard is what you think. You know, it's it's grass and palm trees. Um, but the backyard is, I. she very much, in, she's, she's shifting in the most beautiful way. But the backyard is I cut some lawnmower paths through what's called Biden weed. And it looks a little bit, a little bit like chamomile. Um, mm-hmm. It's very leggy and blousy, but every pollinator on the planet shows up to enjoy yes. it. Um, he should write a book called- They like weeds. Yeah. Your yeah. wife should write a book called I Married a Shaman, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when she retires. Anyway, I have to go, but um, thank you. Thank any, you, anything, Any last final things you want to share, James? I would just like to say, Alan, I am so grateful- that you mm-hmm. took your close cards and opened them a little bit and showed us just how capable you are. That was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I really mean that. Well, thank you. I mean, I don't like to make the shows about me, but thank no, you. No. But, but that moment you. was important because yeah. it shined, you shined your light on me. Right. But you had to turn on the light to do it. I'm happy to do that. Thank you, James. Thank you for that acknowledgement. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I got to see Bridget laugh and that's worth everything. Thank you. It is. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bridget, for sharing your friends with the world and um, mm-hmm. look for Bridget on Clubhouse probably almost every night. Awaiting <laughs> <laughs> for Bridget um, Renee Holiday with two L's. That was the problem. I was trying to find you last time. I didn't get the second L there. So mm-hmm. um Thanks. And thank you, everyone on YouTube, on Portals Ascension and New Realities YouTube. And we're going to be doing this again tomorrow. So, okay, James, great to meet you. Bridget. Thank you so much, everyone. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for having me. Great Christmas. Bye-bye.